I think it's always a great idea to have really high standards for yourself. That way, when maybe you don't meet that exact high standard, you've still gone above and beyond. You're listening to XP Hunter. Welcome back, Hunters. It's great to see that all the missions on our little board are gone. It's great to see that you guys are out there gaining XP, leveling up, doing what you have to do to be a better you. Gain that XP, level up, and be more. Um, I have to say that, uh, you know, uh, as the new year is coming quite soon, uh, this episode is kind of all gonna be all over the place just because you know I've have been having a lot of streams of consciousness and I'm like oh I just gotta get them out so very first uh now Remo uh is over obviously um by the time you guys hear this it will be probably mid-December so it's over uh I did not finish actually you know so I didn't finish but I did get very close I think I had like 40,000 words or whatever um I hope some of you guys uh you know, got further. I hope a lot of you guys completed it if you chose to participate. If you did, I would love to hear about your story ideas, see your covers for your books if you made them. Um, Even a few creative people I know uh, made trailers for their books. So if you guys want to share that with me, you can send me an email at xphunterlee at gmail.com. And I would love to share that with the rest of, you know, the hunters uh, that we hang with, that we roll with. And uh, so, like I said, I, I didn't exactly finish. I got to like 40,000 words of my story, but I think it was a really solid um, 40,000 words. And in case you guys don't know what NaNoWriMo is, it is National Novel Writing Month, which is designated for November. So I, um, so myself and probably tons of people all over the United States um, have, you know, taken the month to write 50,000 words. And that doesn't mean it has to be something that's fully formed. It doesn't have to be, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning perfect it just has to be 50,000 words uh so it's all about getting your thought out there and kind of you know um breaking down a story putting it in the order and the places it needs to be kind of like with a puzzle when you start in the edges and then you fill it in as you go uh and it, it's kind of a way for you know anyone who loves writing whether that be um a screenplay or a stage play or a novel or novella you can participate in NaNoWriMo with hundreds of other people, thousands of other people all over the United States and, you know, close to home and have a product at the end of it. 50,000 words is something, I think it's like 360 pages or something like that. So at the end of it, you can feel pretty accomplished. <laughs> but uh, so if you guys want to let me know about how well you did in NaNoWriMo, again, you can send me a direct message on Instagram or send me an email at xphunterlee at gmail.com. All right, so... First, we're going to get into the the stream of consciousness that I was having about, you know, you know, you have the MCU and I mean, I guess you have the DCU if you really want to, you know, stretch your imagination. And so uh, I was really just thinking about uh, Green Lantern, right? So we all know about the <laughs> about the attempt to do the, I guess, origin story movie for Green Lantern. I don't know. It was something like six or seven years ago, maybe, where uh, Hal Jordan, the original Green Lantern, was played by Ryan Reynolds. And it was just hor- it was just bad. Right. Um, mostly because oh, 
there's just so many, so many reasons that that movie just wasn't great. But I'm going to talk about how I'm feeling about how they're going to do this now, right? Because it's obvious they're going to do a new one because they kind of have to. Um, because they did that movie and I guess maybe they had plans to do, you know, Justice League and stuff like that the whole time. But they hadn't set up the other movies to follow it. So it kind of got left by the wayside. And if you want to stick that movie next to movies like Wonder Woman or even Superman or, um, gosh, Batman versus Superman or, oh, God. They just don't, DC does not have, like, the best track record when it comes to, like, live action movies. Like, a lot of their animated movies are amazing, so good. But their live action movies always leave a lot to be desired. So in terms of Green Lantern, if you're trying to stick the movie that came out forever ago next to the newest movies, it's it's just not going to stand up well, right? So uh, I, I know, obviously, they have to do Hal Jordan. <laughs> they have to do Hal Jordan uh, and because he's the original uh green lantern but i mean i i've said it before my favorite green lantern is okay well the green lantern i'm most used to or would call my green lantern is john stewart because he was the green lantern that was present in the justice league while the animated series was running like justice league unlimited and justice league um man justice league unlimited and he was just he was my green lantern like he was most present in kind of all forms of media for when I was growing up in my formative years and so Hal Jordan is obviously original if you don't know it starts with Hal Jordan and then it goes to Jon Stewart then Guy Gardner then Kyle Rayner and most recently you have Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz and so now there are six earth Green Lanterns but Hal Jordan was original and he was kind of not the 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 road paver but he was right because if you know um in like the i'll say the golden age you green lantern was not kind was not based in i guess you'll say science so right now the green lanterns are basically space police right they have their um green lantern rings that allows them to use their force of will to create light constructs hard light constructs and it helps them fly and, and do all those things but before you had the Green Lanterns like that, there was a Green Lantern who uh, existed in comics. He just sold his comics, sold really poorly. Um, and his um, power was based in magic. Uh, and at that time, right when, you know, the times were a change in uh, magic and mysticism and fantasy were kind of going by the wayside. Like people were kind of not tired of it. But again, a, a lot of times with, with creative mediums or mass media creative mediums, um, it was just the, the whole landscape, creative landscape was saturated with with fantasy. And now you have like writers like Ray Bradbury and stuff like that coming out with this sci fi, like hard sci fi. I'll say hard sci fi, you know, a, a, a breath between fantasy and sci fi. And people were so much more interested in space. And so because the original Green Lantern, um, because the original Green Lantern, Martin, Martin Nodell, uh, because his, his comics were selling so poorly, they switched over to this new Green Lantern, which, of course, is Hal Jordan and, you know, Space Police. They they are uh, your average Green Lantern is induct inducted into the Green Lanterns. They're given their uh, Green Lantern rings. They're trained and then they are given a sector of the 
the universe actually to patrol and to take care of and make sure that uh, no egregious uh, acts are committed, right? So like I said, space police. Uh, so for me in the movie universe, right, uh, what's most important for me personally, I mean, I'm kind of a searcher, right? So if I really wanna know something, or a piece of information, I will go out and find it. So for me, you know, I've already, you know, Marvel wikied and, you know, comic searched, you know, all the different like retcon histories of Hal Jordan and, you know, stuff like that. Like, so I know the backstory of Hal Jordan and how he became Green Lantern and blah, blah, blah. So for me, uh, origin movie doesn't do anything. And I think that obviously they want to keep interest in the characters and the storylines that they're creating. They want more people to buy their comics. They want more people to be invested in seeing uh, their movies and everything. So I get that, but I'm also like, they say these things, but then they make movies and they change stuff in the movies. And they're like, well, this is a cinematic universe. I'm like, yeah, but you just fundamentally change something about this character that in the comics is what, you know, draws people to them. So for me, like, I don't really want to see an origin story. I want to see something formative, right? Like, if they're going to do the the origin story, like, yeah, okay, let's make that the first, you know, five, ten minutes of the movie. I don't need a whole movie about his origin story, especially because when you look back on the original, or I say original, the first Green Lantern movie with Ryan Reynolds, it's just, it seems like they were just, <laughs> it seems like they just stretched it out, right? And they kind of combined elements that in that movie that, shouldn't be there I guess I'll say um and if okay let me break this down so uh in the film the plot is basically you know Hal Jordan he flies test planes he does something he's not supposed to do the plane crashes and you know that stuff costs money so he gets fired um and he's actually out and he sees like a plane um crash and he goes to check it out and Abensor is there he's a green lantern and he gives his ring to Hal Jordan um or the ring chooses him basically it says that you you know Hal Jordan you have the capacity for great will and to overcome fear and he gets the ring uh and then later in the movie um Abensor I mean in the movie it's like Abensor like defeats um the malevolent like being parallax right and so for me, if you know anything about like the history of Green Lantern, you know that Parallax uh, is the name of the fear entity, right? And so uh, the spectrum, the, the emotional spectrum, obviously represented by colors, green is will, uh, fear is yellow, and they all have uh, these aspects that uh, physical embodiments that represent their their emotion. And so for Will, it's like this big green whale. And for Fear, it's Parallax, which kind of looks like an, an insect to me personally. Um, and so when they present Parallax as like this monster being thing that doesn't look anything like it, it looks personified in the comic. I'm like, what what is this? And that confuses people. And that's the issue with creating this cinematic universe and saying that it's different when they're fundamentally changing what happens in the comics. And the whole point of it is like, parallax in the comics gets trapped uh the guardians of the galaxy can't kill it right because it's the embodiment of fear in the universe and as long as someone experiences fear parallax will exist and so the only thing you really can do is trap it it doesn't a uh abensor is not the one who traps parallax the guardians of the universe trap parallax parallax and to keep him uh from 
you know, spreading fear or anything like that in the galaxy more than it already exists. They actually trap him in the central power battery. Uh, and by doing that, uh, it actually makes Green Lantern's feet uh, weak to the color yellow. But um, that just makes more sense than what they did in the movie. They And they change a, a serious character, Parallax, the embodiment of fear in, in reality, into being this monster of the week. Uh, and for me personally, like it, Hal Jordan um, is actually, you know, they're space police. So Hal Jordan's sector is not technically the sector that includes Earth. So, you know, he's off doing his space police thing. And he comes back to find out that Star City, where he lives, is um, has been destroyed, completely wiped out. His family gone, all the people he's ever known or seen in that town gone. And so he uses his power ring to recreate it. And the Guardians of the Galaxy say, oh, that's against the rules because you're using your power selfishly. And they take away his Green Lantern ring. And he's so deep in his like anger and fear and sadness that he, that Parallax, which is trapped in the central power battery, uses that to take over him and how Jordan becomes Parallax. And then he goes and he uh, kills literally the entirety of the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, and I think the comic line is called Emerald Twilight. And that that is seriously interesting, right? That is good. It's a really good story arc. It's great writing. And so for me, when they go and they take a character like Hal Jordan and they try and put him into what they call cinematic universe, I'm like, what was wrong with the comic book, comic book version of what happened in this storyline? Like if you wanted to jump from when he got to ranked to Parallax, like there's a lot of time between these two things, right? Um, and there are so many other storylines between there that they could choose. I was like, but you chose this one and you chose to alter a key point of this. Like I said, Parallax is a, is a, a cosmic entity, right? Like it has to exist because we exist because human beings and sentient thinking, feeling beings exist. And so he's always going to be there. And you just dumbed him down to like a monster of the week that can be killed so easily, which he can't be killed because like I said, cosmic entity. So I'm not really excited for them to do a remake of the Green Lantern movie, but I know inevitably it will come. Uh, and so I, I'm not going to psych myself up, but I'm going to say I would love to see a Green Lantern movie that kind of encompasses a very tiny part like a tiny part of the movie being Hal Jordan's origin but also including the other Green Lanterns maybe not as far as Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz because they are literally new they're like man maybe 2013 they were part of Rebirth so they're pretty new as far as I mean Hal Jordan and and Jon Stewart and Guy Gardner they came really early like Hal Jordan was probably like the 1960s and then uh John Stewart was in like the 1970s and then Guy Gardner, like the 80s. And then you have Colin Rayner who, who came like in the 90s. Right. So Jessica Cruz and Simon Baz are pretty new. So I, I don't expect them to be in, included, but I would like to see the or, original five or the older five Green Lanterns be involved as well. Even if it's just like on a monitor, they're just talking through their rings or something like that, because like Hal Jordan by himself. I mean, there are people who love Hal Jordan. He's the original. Right. So there are tons mostly baby boomers who love him a lot and I mean I respect him a lot too but as far as like the light constructs he has or anything like I mean he's like super powerful right <laughs> and, and it's he's kind of like Superman he was the first and the original and so he got a lot of the powers like he was ion for a while he is considered the quintessential green lantern he is the 
considered the strongest of all the Green Lanterns in the entire Green Lantern Corps. So, I mean, I guess. But I just feel like a lot of the stories that I've read with him, they're just not that interesting. Also, I'm not really down with, like, the leader. You know what I mean? Like, I like Superman, but sometimes I'm like, you're just you're just too strong. You know, when there are no stakes when you're in a fight, then the fight's not interesting. And for Superman, almost all of the time, there are no stakes. Superman's going to win this fight because there are very few entities in existence that can match him, right? I mean, obviously, you have Doomsday and you have Apocalypse. You have uh, people like that who are, you know, they're his top-notch villains because they can go toe-to-toe with him. But for the most part, if someone comes to Superman, they're going to get put down. So there are almost no stakes. So I find that very... I just find myself disinterested in stories like that. And so with Hal Jordan, because he's a quintessential Green Lantern, even when he turns evil, I'm like, there are no stakes in this. Green Lan- he's going to win this fight or he's going to be kind of defeated, sort of, and then he'll turn back into the, the Hal Jordan I know. And so that's boring. Uh, but this kind of uh, transitions us into something else I want to talk about, which is, you know, it goes with Remo, It also goes with Green Lantern. And it goes with, like, creating likable memorable and iconic characters right so um any of you guys who participated in NaNoWriMo you know one of the first things you do when you go to write a story or a screenplay or a stage play is characters right because you don't have a story if you don't have any characters there has to be something driving the plot and so you know there are memorable characters that you know people all over the world know even if they don't they've never read the book they've never seen the comic they never uh played the video game and so you have characters like Batman of course Darth Vader, uh, James Bond from the books, because they were books first. Some of you guys don't know that. You just think it's movies. Nope. James Bond was in a book first. Uh, you have um, creatures like Godzilla, the aliens and predators from the aliens and predators movies. You know, Sherlock Holmes, people like that. And the thing is, is that what makes these characters memorable? What makes a character memorable? And so... Um, you know, in honor of the Mandalorian, I'm just going to start with Darth Vader, right? So um, we're going to go from the original movies, right? Because almost, you know, as a whole, people who are fans of Star Wars or even people who aren't fans of Star Wars didn't like the prequels, right? They didn't like episode one, two or three because they felt like there was no thought put into it. And it was just, oh God, it was just really bad. So with episodes four, five and six, Darth Vader became so memorable because a first he was voiced by James Earl Jones and if it's one thing that people notice right off the bat is when it's a a deep commanding voice and Darth Vader had that in James Earl Jones and so he wears the all black and that almost never happens I mean you have the other uh you have underlings that wear all black but no one does it like Darth Vader he's imposing he's scary you know he's deep you know the force is strong with him and so the things that he does even so when is it episode four or five Hmm. i think it's episode five uh i think the very first scene is him in his black suit walking uh into a rebel fortress or ship or whatever the hallway is all white and you know he walks in and he's like force grabbing and throwing and you know lightsaber he's just being you know a bamf right and so that sticks with you and he doesn't have um, a plethora of lines but every time he speaks he's saying something that's important right uh and I won't say it's not always ex- expositional but when he says things he's saying it and 
it, it means something when he says it to us. And that also goes in with his voice. Like when he says something, you listen, not because you're scared that he's going to force choke you, but <laughs> because when he speaks, you do feel that fear. And I, I like Darth Vader because when you really like think about it, I've had this discussion with a lot of people and I, I wish, um, I wish my friend was here to have this conversation with me, but I'm inviting next time guys. Don't worry. But one of the things that I loved most about the story and the characters in the original Star Wars trilogy was that, you know, when you, it was like the Harry Potter paradox for me, because the thing is, is that everyone, I tell people all the time, I'm a Slytherin and they're like, oh my gosh, Slytherins are evil. I was like, they're not evil. That is a childish way to look at this story. And for, to be fair, it's not their fault. It's really kind of how it's written and how it's presented in the movies as well. And so the thing is, is that they're not evil but they are not about making other people's problems their problems, especially when the odds of it turning out really horrible for them are crazy high. You know what I mean? It's one thing if you see someone trip and, and fall on the street and you go and help them. It's another if you see them trip and fall on the street and there's literally a big Mack truck literally two inches away from them. You don't throw yourself in front of the truck too. And that, that's the thing. Gryffindors will throw themselves in front of the truck and hope for the best. And Slytherins are not about that. Um, so a lot of people, when they see Star Wars, they um, jump to the conclusion that, you know, Darth Vader, you betrayed the Jedi and he he turned to the dark side. I was like, yeah, but if you listen to all the things they say about what Anakin's Anakin Skywalker could have been, the thing is like he was supposed to bring balance to the force. And if you look at the situation in the movies ugh, and the prequels, gosh, um, you realize that the force is very unbalanced. And uh, when you're looking at it, you're like, yeah, the Jedi are nice or not nice, but they're good. And they're fighting for, you know, um, the underdogs and they, they want peace in the galaxy. Yes. Okay, fine. That's great. And we all think that that's how things should be. But you have to remember that at this point, the Jedi um, order is so large. You have so many people when they find a youngling or a child who's born force sensitive, they go, they take that kid, they induct them. And so this is kind of the Jedi fault, but also the Sith fault, right? Because the Sith rule is there can only be two, a master and an apprentice. And that's just because they're they're crazy and they don't want to share power and blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, at this point, you have just Darth Sidious, who's alone, right? Because uh, Darth Maul was killed by Obi-Wan Kenobi. And so now you just have a master and no apprentice. And so that makes the force unbalanced. So Anakin Skywalker was always going to be on the dark side because that would bring balance to the force but i digress um <laughs> but yes likable characters and the thing is like we don't like vader right because i still think his his turning to the dark side i just feel like it's it's very undeveloped right because the thing is like darth sidious is obviously just crazy like i think he went through a lot of trouble to take over the republic and destroy it like for what you just want to get power you don't need to destroy the republic to do that but fine whatever um so i just think that it's a little his the the reason like the way he acts in, in the dark side is kind of strange i don't understand why he couldn't have his family and have his children and still be on the dark side because in the movies he's not obviously evil to me he just like being on the dark side means that you're selfish and da da da, da. but like he obviously still cared about luke and he still cared about his wife, although she died in childbirth, but she might have lived if he had been there. See, mm, decisions, guys. But anyway, <laughs> we don't like him, but we want more of him. And he's iconic. And I mean, 
he's been iconic unlike a lot of like characters uh that are in books and stuff that become um cult classics or whatever they he was always iconic as soon as star wars came out people were like oh like because bad guys are just as great as good guys um and for the same reason that like superman is iconic or you know batman is iconic it's like batman's been around batman and superman have been around for like decades but more than half a century right 60 70 years and the, what we love most about them well okay superman and batman are inherently different right like superman just has all the powers and that's never changed he always has the power he needs to win and batman is just human but he's so iconic because he his presence is just overbearing and in forceful and creating characters like that takes a lot of time and effort because it's not about them being able to beat up the bad guy it's about uh when they speak are they saying something that's important or something that's funny or does this suit the situation is this their personality and a lot of those things with personalities and quirks they're built over time and they're built um it's important that they're built organically and that means you can't just throw out that oh they like cheese puffs and so they always have cheese puffs it's it's again like in books it's showing and not telling right if you have it that you know the flash you know is eating he's always eating all the time and then you work in the fact that like a he has a fast metabolism so he has to eat all the time but he's if he's have at like the the justice league meeting and there's always a bowl of cheetos and so you always have it like when he's when you know batman's giving his you know his uh debrief on this thing that happened in gotham and you know you have the flash you know he's crunching in the background while batman's giving his debrief that, that's that's world building that's character building because you know what you know it's in the flash's personality to do kind of what he wants to do he's not overly formal he's not just going to sit there with his hands folded while batman debriefs he's hungry he needs to eat he's going to eat and he's going to eat those cheetos because that's what he wants and that's what creates a character that people remember and uh identify with and want to read more about um but man that was <laughs> i didn't mean to go on that tangent but i totally did but if you guys want to weigh in on what you think makes uh, a likable or, or iconic or memorable character you can send me an email at xphunterlee at gmail.com if you want to talk about green lantern and which green lantern you love most and who you want to see in uh, a green lantern movie you can uh direct message me on instagram or email me uh if uh you want to get in contact or be a guest on the show you can email me hunters don't be afraid don't be it was great talking to you today in the meantime in between times do it for the xp bye